Welcome to the Dream Big Nation podcast. In this show, veteran recruiter, wealth mentor, and entrepreneur, Lisa Williams, will take you on a journey of exploration and discovery to learn what it takes to hire yourself. Are you ready to dream big and grow into the person you're meant to become? If so, you're in for a treat. And now, here is your host, Lisa Williams. Hello, friends. Welcome back to our Dream Big Nation podcast. I'm so very excited to bring the story of one of my very special new friends that I met in 2020, Miss Wendy Labatt, to our tribe here at Dream Big Nation podcast. Welcome, Wendy. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate the opportunity to come and chat with you today. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy and I, we could, I think we could sit and talk for hours. We have so many, you know, like-minded things in mind. Uh, She's a sister in Christ. She's a financial healer. She is doing so many amazing things for her tribe that she serves in her community, her business, her church. And we have a mutual passion for serving women around money and owning their power around money, which is amazing. We are actually fellow authors in the Lemonade Legend series that just launched a couple months back and also fellow producers with Miss Sandra Evans with ZTV. So we're going to have some fun, Miss <laughs> Wendy, getting into your story. So, you know, you have a really incredible story of entrepreneurship. You, you, you've been doing this for a long time. I have so much that I can learn from you. And that's that's really the main reason I do this podcast is so I can learn from my guests. But, you know, just give us kind of a thumbnail sketch about, about your this, this role of financial healer, because I think it is so, such a timely topic for what are our societies going through right now? A little bit about what you went through and, and now how you're serving your community in that capacity. Okay, well, I'm going to start 37 years ago, you know, in the beginning, not the <laughs> beginning, but, you know, back when I started an office equipment company with no business experience, very limited financial resources. And it was a time where there was no social media, no internet. And the only thing you could do with a cell phone was make an expensive phone call. So my clients were corporate clients, you know, big Fortune 500 companies. And in order to get the big contracts, you had to project the right image, which meant, you know, brick and mortar office building, employees, carry inventory, and all the overhead that goes with it. And, you know, I didn't have the business experience, but I, you know, was able to put together that image and get those contracts. But the problem was that my cash flow didn't match the contracts. You know, I was at a point where, you know, the corporate America, they want to pay you in 30, 60, and 90 days. And I had to pay my vendors in 10 days. So that wasn't really working out cash flow wise. So it really put me in a position where I was forced to learn how to take control of my finances, make my money work for me, and then think outside the box where I had to negotiate with my clients to make them you know, realize, hey, I can't afford to finance your orders. And even though I appreciate the business, it's going to ruin me if I can't get better payment terms. And then also with my vendors to let them know, 
you know, my clients, you know, I got these big corporations, these big contracts in order for me to continue to do business with you, then you're going to need to, you know, give me one better pricing, you know, more of a quantity discount and better payment terms. And of course, it was something that showed it was mutually beneficial for all of us, for them to work with me and for me to work with them. Had to be so, a win-win, um, win-win situation. Yeah. So it yeah. worked out pretty good. So like I said, after a while, it's like, okay, you know, I had to think outside the box to do quite a few things. And it made me realize that you don't have to go with the status quo just because someone else's terms is their terms. Doesn't mean it has to be my terms. And it wasn't me being selfish, but it was me being realistic that if I was going to grow and develop my company, I had to make some shifts in, like I said, the payment terms, the pricing and those kind of things. And that worked fine. And I did that business for about 15 years. And then I got into the tax preparation business And then let's fast forward to 2014 when the Affordable Care Act mandated that everyone have health insurance. So I expanded that tax business to include insurance and financial services. And I didn't want to be a hypocrite. So I was buying all these products that, you know, I was selling to my clients because I had people say, well, you know, what do you have? You know, where's your money? And I can honestly say where it was and what I had. And then in 2017, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it was, yeah, it wasn't devastating because I had an inner peace about it. You know, when I read those results, because my doctor didn't even tell me, she just, they just gave me the envelope with the results. And that I had story, to open it up in the, you know. In that the, story right there that yeah. you told me, I could not believe that. And I like give a little more information about that because that's just a great example of what a great advocate for yourself you are and Mm -hmm. and how you empower others around being your best advocate too. Yeah, because I had the, you know, I was doing my regular mammograms and this particular one, you know, they said, okay, we need to do a biopsy. So I'm like, okay, I'm the type of person, hey, I'm gonna know what it is, nip it in the bud. If it's something, if it isn't anything, fine, I'll have that confirmation. But it turned out to be something. So the radiologist told me that I would be able to get the results within three days. So I wait, you know, that third day I called up the radiology department to get my results. And they said, well, we can't give them to you. You have to get them from the ordering physician. So I called the doctor's office and said, look, I want to get the results for my, you know, biopsy. And come to find out they had the results like two days before. I mean, they didn't wait to send that over. They did it immediately. I guess when they saw it was something, they sent it right over. And when I called the doctor's office, I said, well, I want to get, you know, my results. And the receptionist said, well, you have to make an appointment. It's like, well, okay, make me an appointment. And she put me on hold for, you know, it seemed like forever, but it's probably maybe, you know, 30 seconds or something. And then the office manager came on and she said, well, the doctor doesn't make appointments to discuss results. I said, well, how am I going to get my results? She said, well, you can come by and pick them up. And I'm like, okay, I'll be there in like 10 minutes because it wasn't far from where I live. So I went there and they handed me the envelope with my results in it. I went to my car opened it up and saw that it said carcinoma. You know, I got my undergraduate degree in biology, so I know carcinoma means cancer. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And then I got really pissed off, not because of the results, but the fact that 
they didn't tell me the results. And not only that, I never heard from them for, you know, a whole year. They they never followed up or anything. But anyway, I you know called a friend of mine who was a breast cancer conqueror. And I'm like, I just got my biopsy results and I got cancer. So who did you see? Give me some numbers. You know, I need to know. I don't know where to go from here because I know I'm not going back in there to talk to these folks. (laughs) They didn't give me the courtesy of letting me know what the results were. So she gave me her oncologist number. I called them from my car, told them the situation. And they said, look, fax me over the results. And I told them I'll be home in about five minutes. You know, I'll fax them over. And, you know, as soon as I fax them over, about a few minutes later, they called me up and, you know, said, well, look, we need to see you in the office. So I said, okay, let's set up an appointment. But they asked for my insurance information and all that. And I really had good insurance, but it wasn't one that they took. So I said, well, okay. But she said, give me about five more minutes. I'm going to call you back. And sure enough, she called me back and gave me a number to another cancer center saying that, look, they're waiting on your call. You know, they can get you in. Just give them a call. So I gave them a call. And three days later, I had an appointment with an oncologist. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You know, I knew when I read it that in my car that it wasn't a death sentence, but I guess I was more pissed off than I was, you know, upset about the results just because, you know, suppose I wasn't the type that would, you know, be, you know, assertive about my own, you know, care. Yeah. And let's just pause on that a moment because, you know, already in just this short couple of minutes, we've talked, you've, you've actually given a great example twice now of being your best advocate Mm -hmm. in your business. You realized, Hey, if this business is going to be sustainable and grow to the capacity that I want it to be, I'm going to need to lock arms with my vendors and Mm -hmm. create a better system of payment. Now, I mean, Wendy, you don't know, I think, how timely this type of conversation is about being our best advocate, because I will tell you, I have two examples in my own life of cancer. One, my best friend who was, you know, diagnosed with ovarian cancer at 42 and my my sweet mother, you know, a brain tumor at 74 and two very different experiences I had as a caregiver because my best friend was like you, she's like, we're on top of this. We're, you know, we're doing this. My sweet mom, you know, who was a nurse, by the way, for 50 years, right? She, she was kind of, and maybe it's a generation thing. She was kind of more, let's, let's trust the system. You know, Mm -hmm. she, she was, you know, just like, kind of let's wait and wait and let them come to us. Mm-hmm. And isn't it interesting, you know, the because of what you did, who knows, you know, if you had waited, if something different would have happened. But I think it's a great example of you becoming a, you really have to become an expert in maybe a field you never wanted to be, probably, <laughs> right? You Not probably know way patient, more about yeah. breast cancer <laughs> than you ever want to mm-hmm. want to know now. But yeah, so, you know, let's talk about really, this is kind of when you realize just how important that those products that you had that you probably didn't even really think about at the time necessarily, other than being 
a good steward of the service you are providing. I'm going to make sure I know I have what I'm selling and providing to my clients, right? So talk about that because that's a pretty crucial element to your story. And one thing I do want to admit, I didn't buy those products because I was looking at my own personal financial future. I was looking at it from a business and marketing perspective because I also had a colleague that was diagnosed probably in about at 2015 with kidney cancer. And I didn't, you know, I sympathized with them and I was like, God, I don't, I hate to hear that, but I'm sure you're going to clock some dollars because, you know, the products and services that we were selling. And he said, Wendy, I don't even have any of that insurance. (laughs) You know, he barely had, he had the minimum health insurance that was mandated by the law. And, you know, I'm like, you're in the business and you don't, have the coverage, you know, what's up with that? And now he can't get the coverage. You know, if you don't have it while you're healthy, you sure can't get it while you're sick. You know, the health insurance, yes, but the life and all the other benefits, you know, like living benefits and cancer policies, those kind of things, you know, you can't get them once you have it. So mm-hmm. that was, you know, just confirmation that I was doing the right thing and I had done the right thing. And then the person that was my, you know, friend, colleague, and mentor. He had been in the insurance business 40 years. And at the end of each meeting, he would say, well, who's your advisor? You know, what are you you doing? What kind of advisor are you being to your clients? And that always stuck with me. And that's why I bought all that stuff is because, you know, if I had not been in the business, I honestly don't think I would have had anything more than health insurance, you know, because just nobody was talking to me about it. But and, um, and they don't, I, I, you know, they don't, they're definitely not teaching these fundamental concepts in school. Mm-hmm. My, my oldest, we've talked about our kids. My oldest is a junior in college and he has not learned any of the things that we teach about in co- even the collegiate level, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, so talk about, I mean, cause really the story of, of the products you were being a good steward of your business maybe not knowing it would how much it would personally impact you but tell tell us about that cuz it's powerful well it's it gives me just more i guess uh, passion about when i'm talking to my clients because i've had, i've had so many people you know especially with the health insurance being open again open enrollment being available till august i've had some people like the receptionist at my chiropractor you know, she said, I said, well, you know, she said, oh, wow, you've got a good plan. You're only paying this for your copay. And I said, yeah, well, you know, what do you have? She said, well, I don't have anything. I haven't had insurance for five years. I said, well, why not? I can't afford that stuff. It's like, you can afford it. She said, well, I haven't been to the doctor in five years. I said, that doesn't mean there's nothing wrong with you. It just means you don't know what's going on. So I said, well, let me give you a quote. And then you decide if you want to. And sure enough, she got the quote. She enrolled. She's been to get her physical and, you know, seeing other specialists. And I don't know what, you know, the results of the physical were or anything like that, but I just know it's a difference in her attitude. And every time I go in, she's like, well, I went to my doctor's appointment today. Boy, I'm sure glad that and I'm going to give, you know, my son, he needs coverage. So she's referred like four people to me just because she got a deal. And it's yeah. not that it was just specifically for her, but it's available to anybody that wants to apply. So well, and I so- think it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually remind me, cause I need to talk to you about it. Cause we're okay. about ready to, but it, it's a good point that bring that. I think sometimes it holds people back from starting their own 
business or really they might be, you know, doing their own business on the side, but they hang on to this corporate world because the security of benefits are there, right? And let's, you know, let's talk about there's so there's just as many benefits. In fact, I think better in the solopreneur and entrepreneur space. What what do you think about that? I agree. And that's something I talk about in my signature talk is that, you know, a lot of people are fooled with this corporate coverage. You know, they think, okay, I got corporate health insurance, but they got $10,000 deductibles. And I have to explain to them, you know, your premium is not what you should be concerned about. What you need to be concerned about at first is your deductible. You want to get Mm -hmm. the lowest deductible as possible, but yeah, you may have a a low premium, but if you're paying, you got a $10,000 deductible, that means you got to pay that first 10,000 before your insurance even kicks in. And if you can't pay an extra hundred or $200 a month to get a lower deductible, how the heck you going to come up with $10,000 in case something happens, you know, I don't get, sick it's like maybe you don't but we're in a pandemic but doesn't say you won't you know so Mm -hmm. you have to kind of slap folks in the face with reality and I just try to educate people that the first thing you look at is your deductible you want to get the lowest deductible then you want to look at your maximum out of pocket because that's the maximum you'll pay no matter what happens after you hit that threshold, the only thing you're going to pay is your monthly premium. You can have brain surgery and it only costs you your uh, monthly premium. So I tell mm-hmm. them, okay, let's suppose you have uh, a you know, $200 a month premium and you got a $10,000 deductible. That means you got to pay $10,000 worth of whatever those medical expenses are before your insurance kicks in. And then let's say your maximum out of pocket is $10,000. When you hit that threshold, yeah, you're fine. But until then, you've got to fork out the money. But let's say you can get a $1,000 deductible for maybe $300 a month and then maybe a max out of pocket of $2,000. So that means you'll come up with the first you know, $1,000. And then when you hit the $2,000 mark, you know, you can have whatever. It'll, yeah. you know, it won't cost you anything. All your preventive stuff is free, you know, whether you have a $10,000, $100,000 deductible prevent the law, you know, requires that you're preventing you a like certain number of visits. That. Yeah. Yep. And then, mm-hmm. you know, colonoscopies and breast um, mammograms and all that kind of stuff. Well, and you also had, you know, like, let's talk about the changes in types of insurance too. Mm-hmm. You know, we're both licensed life and health professionals and there's, you know, the insurance of old, it's no longer just a death benefit, but it's mm. a living, living benefit that's yes. available. You, you had, you actually were able to use that as well, right? Tap into that. I had the, you know, life with living benefits. I had the first occurrence. I had the cancer. I had everything that I was selling to my clients. And I didn't realize what I had until I started, you know, looking at it and filing those claims and getting those big checks consistently. And like I said, it was awesome because it was tax-free. It was, you know, multi-six-figure. And it, it was coming, you know, I didn't have to do anything more than just make sure the, the, file, the claims were filed. So it allowed me to have the peace of mind financially and focus on my recovery and not worry about money or medical bills or any of that. And that's really key because a lot of people 
have health issues because of financial issues, because their financial health is not in order. So that's, you know, it makes a big difference. And I thank the Lord every day. Right. <laughs> you know, well, you know, and I mean, let's, you know, let's educate people about this because it's, you know, this was, this was something I found. I remember when I first entered the world of entrepreneurship, this was about three years ago and became a wealth educator. I had tons of insurance, mm-hmm. probably more than I needed. But guess what? I didn't actually know what I had. Mm-hmm. When I, when I, when my broker actually sat down with me, like your mentor did many years ago and, and showed me what I had, it was crap. It was, like, mm-hmm. I mean, some of it was good, but it was nowhere near, you know, we should be constantly upgrading just like our tech, our phone has upgraded. Mm-hmm. We should be updating and upgrading our our, you know, benefits that we have, because, you know, the living benefit of today, you can do whatever you want with it. You can pay mm-hmm. your bills, you can go to Paris for a last hurrah, or, mm-hmm. you know, go to Mexico for special treatment that's not offered here in the States. I just, I've seen it, you know, used so many amazing ways. So, you know, let's talk about, for example, you know, you and I have, I want to shift a little bit, okay. because we have very deep-seated faith. We, we talked about this when we got to see each other in Arizona, mm-hmm. all that. Remember that breakfast yeah. we all had? And did, mm-hmm. could you just feel Jesus there and, yeah. you know, with us? And I personally believe that God uses the hands of entrepreneurs to create change and innovation and in our world. And I, I want to I ask you about your faith journey and how you integrate it into your business as well. Well, my faith journey got me in business. You know, I wanted to be a medical doctor. I didn't take any business courses in college. I took all the science courses. I never even considered, you know, going into business. But I happened into business just because I got tired of the glass ceiling in corporate America, even though I didn't, you know, I worked in the hospitals until I, you know, came back to the States from Sicily. And, you know, I got, I moved to the South, you know, I came, started out in California, making major money, working in the hospitals, you know, and then went to Europe with my husband at the time, who was in the military and, you know, was teaching, you know, making major money because you can do that as, you know, I had my MBA at the time. But when I came to Georgia, it was like, you know, (laughs) the, the positions I had in the hospital were already taken and the people were grandfathered in. They didn't have the degrees that I had. They, you know, just had years of experience of somebody putting them in that position and because they liked them or they were part of their family or whatever. And, you know, when I branched out, you know, because I read an article about a young man in black enterprises, I'm going to check him out, see if I can go work for him because I was fed up with the job I had. And it wasn't hardly paying money, but I had a young daughter to, you know, take care of. So I had to have a job. And, you know, when I started working for him, the potential was there to make the money I was used to making. But when payday came, he was telling us the company was bankrupt and he wasn't going to be able to meet payroll. And I was like, what? You know, I'm spending all this money coming up here, you know, as a commission only sales job. And I'm putting all these miles on my car and I was like, Lord, but one of the other guys that worked for the company said, look, I'll meet your payroll if you'll come work for me. 
So of course I went to work for him and, you know, I ended, he met our payroll and then him and his wife are having issues. Next thing I know, he wants to take the company to, and move to Florida. It's like, I just got to Georgia. I'm not moving to Florida. I don't know anybody in Florida. So I talked to my dad and I told him the situation. I said, well, let's, let's start our own company. And he agreed, but you know, my dad was a teacher, real conservative. And, you know, he was more of the figurehead of the business. And, Eventually, things didn't work out between us because he didn't understand business. You know, he's a conservative teacher and he was doing things the hard way, which was OK, because that was his generation. That was his way of accomplishing things. But it wasn't what I needed at the time. So I branched out and did my own thing. Like I said, I didn't really have any money, no major money. But, you know, like I said, you learn how to deal with what you got. And it really was just spirit led because at first I wasn't making any money, but I was loving what I was doing. And I didn't care about not making any money because I was having fun. I was enjoying it. And eventually it got to the point where things that I needed and the direction that, you know, I needed to go in. Like I said, I learned the hard way. It wasn't that I was so spiritually uh, mature at the time, but I was, you know, I had faith in God and I knew that you know, he wasn't going to leave me or forsake me, even though, you know, you want it right now. And he's like, now, now is not, you're going to work your way. To get sometimes, this. sometimes we have to wait on yeah. him, right? Yeah. So um, Well, and you, you it seems like you've always known there was something, a greater purpose you were supposed to fulfill. And I mm -hmm. think sometimes there was a, there was a guest I had a couple of weeks back, Stefan Leary, and he was talking about you know, sometimes you have a dream that is, you know, it's busted, your dream's busted, but then it, it's, it really opens the doors to what you're truly purposely built for and what your, you know, God's big plan is for you. That's so much bigger than I think all of us even anticipate in our yeah. lives. So it's, it's a continual journey of, of making sure we pursue that, that purpose-driven life, right? Because I was so set that my dream was to be a doctor. That was my purpose. Because that's the only thing I aimed for. I didn't have a plan B. And then when I didn't get accepted to medical school, I was devastated like that. Hey, what am I going to do? You know, because like I said, I made money, but it wasn't my goal. It wasn't my dream. And I didn't really enjoy it. You know, I was making the money, but I hated what I was doing. So, you know, I didn't have a plan B. But when I got into business, I was loving it. I wasn't making any money, but you know, it, it was like, okay, it doesn't matter about the money. I've made money and I was miserable, but now I'm happy and I'm not making money, but the money will come. It wasn't that money will come. To make yeah. it. I just knew it was going to come. So, you know, I guess at first you're working for the money, but then once you find your passion, you're working for your passion and the money just follows. Well, and I think it's a matter then of, cause I, I think you and I have seen the same thing. You know, I've seen far too many entrepreneurs that are not generating mm -hmm. revenue and we have to generate to be generous. And they and they they have this for for whatever reason, there's a block between, you know, the, the successful moneymaker in corporate and now the generate revenue generator as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't you agree? I think it's about 90 percent mindset personally. 10% skill set, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. And I've got the perfect example of that. 
my neighbor, he's passed away, rest his soul, but you know, he was a hospital doctor. So he was used to making money, but eventually I kept telling him, you need to open your own practice. So eventually he did. And he got his nephew to be his manager, office manager, and really made him as a partner, which I thought was very foolish. I said, you don't need a partner like that. You know, your name is on every financial obligation. He's not doing anything. He wasn't even living up to his duties as being the manager. But he kept saying, I'm a medical doctor. I'm not a businessman. It's like, no, you're a businessman because your name is on all those financial documents for the lease, for the vendors, for equipment, for everything. So you're a businessman, whether you want to accept it or not. And I think, and I've seen so many people go from corporate America with the professional expertise in that area but they don't want to expand to see the big picture of being an entrepreneur because you have to be able to do more than what you're technically trained for. And a lot of folks, you know, depend on other people. And some of my colleagues used to laugh at me because I used to do my deliveries. You know, I used to ask my own phone. You know, when I first started, I had to do those things because I didn't have the money to hire other folks. But when I did hire them, I knew what they were supposed to do. They had they had a job description and, you know, if they weren't doing it, I knew it. And that's what I told him. You have to crack the whip for one and you have to know what the other roles are supposed to be doing. You can't just think because you're a doctor, everything's going to flow. You have exactly. to make sure your operation is, you know, structured and, and operating properly. So you know. it's a common I find it to be a really common mistake in entrepreneurs. They don't you know, they. They don't set up an entity, for example, mm-hmm. or they don't get the proper insurance and they don't separate their talking about financial wellness. Mm-hmm. They don't separate their personal and their business. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm I'm the first to admit it. The first two years of, of my business, I was winging it. I was, totally, you know, totally <laughs> winging it. And then I put my CEO hat on and really realized, OK, I need to think big, act big. Then I'm going to become big. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you don't do those first two things, then. Your your settings that yourself up for failure. So yes, you know, yeah. have you have you heard of this book? I just somebody just recommended to, this to me. It's called The Creature from Jekyll Island. Mm-mm. Sounds so, interesting, but I've never so heard. So this this is crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna pick it up and I'll let you know about it. But it's the story of the original. I think it was six or eight families, like the Rothschilds, the Carnegies, the J.P. Morgans. And they literally went on a retreat. It's a true story to Jekyll Island. And they, they basically built the system, mm-hmm. the system, Federal Reserve, corporate America, you know, the system that mm-hmm. 90% of families are in, right? We started as this country of entrepreneurship where probably 90% of us were entrepreneurs. And now we're, we've kind of, the pendulum has shifted. But, you know, it it talks about in that book, just the the fact that we really are trained in schools to be like really factory workers in Mm -hmm. a sense in the corporate America world. So for this, you know, for this community, that is the we're we're breaking the chains of corporate America, if you will, the, you know, certainly the great skills we've learned, but bringing those, but leaving the rest, if yeah. that makes sense. Right. So, you know, Wendy, we're, I can't believe we're almost out of time. I want to make yeah. sure that we, you know, I feel like you and I, you need to come back and we can talk more, yeah, um, but let's talk about how are, you know, 
how our guests can find you, how they can work with you. You have so much to offer people. Okay. Well, they can find me at if my email is info at the financial cures.com. That's cures with an S. My website, the financial cures.com. I'm on social media. I'm not on uh, Twitter. You know, so that's not my yeah. thing. But, I, I don't have Twitter or talk, TikTok either. <laughs> yeah, me either. But Facebook, you can see me or find me at Dr. Wendy Labot or Wendy Labot or The Financial Cures. I have a Facebook group, The Financial Cures, and we provide inspiration and information on a daily basis. Instagram is dr.wendy, W-E-N-D-Y dot Labot, L-A-B-A-T. LinkedIn, Dr. Wendy Labotte. And I have my book, my number one new release, best-selling book, Diagnose Your Financial Health, that's available on Amazon. If you want an autographed copy, you can go to my um, website, thefinancialcures.com and order it there. I have my new uh, course, Overcome the Six Obstacles to Winning the Money Game. It's a six-week master course, master class, I should say. And this session is starting on Friday, but I still have a few spots if people want to, you know, get in. They can text me at 678-361-3656 and put in Lisa, and they'll get the discounted rate of $297. Of course, normally it goes for $997, but since I'm on here today, if they're interested in, you know, getting in, but I will have another course coming up, I guess in June will be my next session. And, you know, like I said, we got the, our Lemonade Stand book two that's out there on Amazon if people want to read both of our stories. And I'm just, you know, I'm about to be a producer. Well, I am a producer and the host of Financial Cures with Dr. Wendy on Zondra ZTV, but I haven't, I don't know when my date air date is going to be when your launch date is yeah but keep a a lookout now absolutely (laughs) well we should we should have you back when that's getting ready to launch that'll be fine you know one more thing i want to offer your uh, guests my complimentary guide the six obstacles to winning the money game by texting the word guide g-u-i-d-e to 770-796-4944 that's seven seven zero seven nine six four nine four four. The word guy, and we'll be sure and put that in our show notes too. Okay. So people, yeah, absolutely. Okay, brilliant. Well, my friend, thank you so much for joining us. It's been brilliant to hear more about you and my my tribe here at the Dream Big Nation. We are so blessed to be part of your day. We hope that the stories that we're bringing are giving you some inspiration in your own life to make that brave leap into entrepreneurship and continue to support you in that journey as well. So blessings to you all in this amazing life journey, and we will see you soon. All right. Bye. Hey, Dream Big Nation community. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about working with Lisa and her team directly, go to lisawilliamsco.com and learn how to hire yourself.